0: Is it spring or is it winter? Or is it spring or it's winter? It's like S- sprinter. Yeah, I-, I quit doing that a long time ago. Uh, so, well, welcome this morning. If you're a first or second time guest, just let me say uh, welcome to you. Uh, my name is Brian. One of the pastors here. So glad that you joined us today. If you're a regular, if you're a celebrator, I'm glad you're here too. Uh, you guys are awesome. I love the worship. I, I don't know. I I just... I could, like, worship for hours. And just like, you feel like sometimes you just, by the time it gets to, like, the third or the fourth song, whatever song it is, you just finally got broke free just a little bit because you got all that gunk on you and you're all locked up and you got to work through your own issues through the week. How many of you got issues this week? Okay, all right, just checking. All right, just see if we're on the same page. Bunch of, bunch of issues in the room. So I raised my hand, but I, I was kidding. I got no issues. Uh, yeah. Except lying is one of my issues. Well, we're in part three of our Irresistible Family series. And over the past few weeks, we've talked about various things. The first week, um, we, we just talked about our weekly gatherings and uh, how you get your rhythm. We said, hey, if you, if you will come every single week, you will get the rhythm to the vision, the mission, and uh, of, of Celebration Church. You'll find your part in that. Last week, Pastor Dennis uh, preached, and we talked about how to to land the plane, how to get that smaller. So we grow bigger. Everybody say bigger. We We grow bigger in this room. We want to grow numerically as Celebration Church. You say, Brian, well, I didn't think it was about numbers. Well, there's a book in the Bible called Numbers. Uh, so you're a number. You matter to God. Every There's 7.4 billion people on planet Earth. Every single one of them matter to God. So numbers do matter, not in the sense of we puff up and say, hey, we're at such and such in our church. But we do track numbers because that is one thing that we can tangibly track. Uh, so we want to grow bigger, but we also want to grow smaller, and that's in our live groups. We want you to learn to do live together in our community. If you just do church In the four walls here, that isn't sufficient. God made you for more. He wants you part of a smaller family where you can care for each other and things like that. Uh, So we just, me and my wife just experienced care from our life group this past week. Uh, I'll share a little bit about that with you here in just a minute. But today, everybody say today. We want to talk about growing deeper, going deeper. So we used an analogy over the past few weeks about a great family. Irresistible family is like irresistible music. I know some of you went to a concert this uh, weekend and uh, heard some country music and uh, how many of you love going to concerts, okay, concert junkies, okay, how many of you are like uh, old school like 70s, 80s concert junkies, okay, all right, there you go, so Leonard Skinner and uh, you know, I don't, I don't know, I was born in the 70s, the late 70s, so I'm pretty much an 80s baby, uh, some of you are like 80s, that's, that's so old, it wasn't a, a while back, okay, Everybody else was old. Now I'm starting to get old. Not as old as Dennis, but old. I don't know if anybody's that old. Just pause. But I want to talk about growing deeper. uh, Because we can have the rhythm of the music. We can actually, just with the rhythm, there is no music. But we talked about last week about the band comes in and makes the music. That's sort of the idea of life group. You get the vision and mission in the big room. But then in life groups, and I'm, I actually manage our realm. Uh, realm is a, a system that we use that's sort of like Facebook for our church. But all the life groups that are together, they have message boards and stuff. But I manage all of them, and I get to see just the interaction that happens throughout the week. And I tell you what, some of our life groups, man, y'all were deep. Uh, and y'all, some of y'all are funny, <laughs> if you're part of the Roberts chat room, man. That's my weekly comedy. Uh, but, see, I, but you can just tell people are connecting on a deep, intimate level. And today I want to talk about not just uh, the rhythm of the music or making the music, but sometimes you got to learn to mix the music. You ever heard just bad mixed music? It's, how many of you, that bothers you and when it's mixed bad? Okay, a lot of the dudes' hands going up, musical people. Some of you are like, I don't care. It's all just muddy to me. Uh, but, it, you know, the EQ, when you get in on that. So uh, I want the band to sort of just play us a song. See if you can recognize this song. to make out a song when there's not a good mix. You can hear the drums. Can you hear anything else really? No, it's it's like if this is the way worship was, the music was on Sunday morning, you'd be like, man, sound guy, what is your problem? In fact, why don't you fix this for us? Y'all recognize this song? Maybe we need to add some lyrics. Dustin, do you know this song? That's all I know. How many of you know this song? Anybody? All right. See, now that's what it sounds like mixed, but Matt, why don't you put it back like it was? Maybe that's the way we should listen to music. I'm just not feeling it. Put it back like it was, the other way. Nobody want to dance? Start a dance party up in here. Some of you are like, Yeah, please, that's the kind of church I want. So, awesome, give it up to the band. See, a lot of us in our life, we, we do church, we do the big room. Some of us, we go just a step further, and we'll even go to a life group, and we'll, we'll get the rhythm. We'll get the rhythm of what God is calling a a body of believers like Celebration Church to do. And then we'll figure out how to land the plane and make the music and get it together and figure out how to uh, do our family lives together in a small group. Uh, But then, in that personal walk, sometimes there's just a muddy mix of sounds. And you need a good sound guy in your life because the band, they cannot mix the house. See, the band can have what's going in their ears. They got in-ears. And they can mix that. And the music can sound right to them, but it might not sound good to us. You've got to have a sound guy in your life to mix the music for you. Because that's what the world sees. And you might have, you might have grown up in church. You might have some ideas, some aspirations about what God looks like. But until you have somebody looking at what you're living, you probably have a bad perspective. Because, look, you're the best person you know. I mean, come on, how often do you really do something and know it was wrong and do it anyways? I mean, that's outright rebellion. How many times are you right and your spouse is wrong? Don't answer. Especially you men, shut up. But a lot of times in our life when we live out our Christian faith, when we are the only eyes, the only perspective, it's not the most healthy thing. God's asked us to grow bigger. He's asked us to grow smaller, but He's asking us to grow deeper too. And that's what I want to talk about today. Um, and I want to do that by sharing a story with you. Not this past Thursday, but the Thursday before, on the twelfth, we had uh, an appointment to induce labor because the little boy wasn't coming out. He he was stubborn. Uh, He was like, nah, no exit, and his eviction notice was on the 12th, but it wasn't that easy. Uh, When we got at the hospital at 5.30 a.m., nothing happened till like 10. I'm like, why? (laughs) You know, they didn't do anything because nobody's moving at 5.30, so I'm like, why did I have to get up at 5.30 and walk in here and sit, and about 10 o'clock is when we first saw the doctor, and They started talking about all this stuff about, you know, putting her on some medicine that would dilate her. And the medicine would take 12 hours. Then they would check. uh, And then if she wasn't dilated enough, I'm going to give you more details than probably what you want to know. They said they'd give us another dose of it and it'd be another 12 hours. Uh, So that's how they started. First dose, 12 hours. He came back in, nothing, zero dilation. And I'm like, come on, honey. What's up, girl? You know. Then they give her another dose. Twelve hours later, he comes in, and he's like, uh, "It just it, you're not progressing enough." So we've got in our mind twelve more hours. But then he checks again and goes, "You know what? I mean, it literally is this fast." He goes, "You know what? Let's it's close enough. Let's just break your water." Boom! Broke our water, and we're like, "What? Game time? What's up?" You know, so 12 hours, 24 hours. Then we're thinking another 12 hours, but then they, he breaks it, her water. So they start the other medicine. It's called Pitocin, which starts contractions. And those are going and, you know, you know men, I, I'm not even going to tell you what it's like because I don't know. Uh, it's very uncomfortable, but they're trying to induce labor now and hours go by, hours go by, and they start up in the dosage. Then the pain gets enough where they come in to do the epidural. I had to step out. It's my wife, my sister-in-law, and myself, and Parker, our son. Me and Parker went up to the family, but uh, my sister-in-law's an uh, OR nurse, so she got to stay in the room. Privileges. I'm like, I've, I should have pulled my pastor card right there because that gets you in a lot of places. So but then something really super scary happened. I didn't know it happened because I wasn't in the room. But when they put the epidural in, my wife and my son Cade's heart rate almost bottomed out to nothing. They almost lost them both. Scared me to death when I came back in. Everybody's face is wide as a sheet. We're talking like 40 minutes later, I come back in. And my sister-in-law said, we about lost them. Their heart rate bottomed out. So I'm like, okay, this is getting really interesting. So got the epidural in. Then they kept giving her the medicine to induce labor, but every time they'd give it to her, his heart rate would drop, so they'd take a break. So this went on and went on and went on. So this was the 12th we went in. Now it's the 13th, uh, and it's in the middle of the night. And they, the, several times his heart rate gets really low wake up about 5 a.m. because I tried to sleep just a little bit and the doctor walks in. He says, uh, we're going to have to go into an emergency C-section. So this is probably around 5.30 because he, he says we're, we're not able to keep him stabilized. So we walk in, get her prepped. It's about 6.40 and when we leave the room, they take her to the OR. I have to stay outside the OR because they have to get her on the table and stuff like that. Well, the doctor, uh, apparently they asked the women to do this just to see how the epidural is working. They asked them to see if they can move over to the other bed. Well, my wife, she just picks herself up and moves her legs and everything. And the the anesthesiologist said, well, that's not good. You shouldn't be able to do that. So they take that out and they do the spinal tap thing, whatever, uh, and completely make her numb from the waist down and... I'm standing during this. I'm standing in the hall for about 50 minutes, the only one standing in the hall. When they said we'll be right back, let's just get her on the table. So I'm going, what is going on? And I found out they had all those complications going on in there. At 7:44 in the morning, I heard I'm on the other side of the sheet now, looking at my wife who does not look happy. She doesn't look pleasant. We're a little bit nervous. they got these monitors up where you can actually see what's going on. Uh, And the doctor says, 744, the scalpel touches her belly. He makes the incision at 746, Cade Levi was born. So I'll show you a picture. There he is. Isn't he awesome? Now, just hold it right there. Now, I don't know if this next thing I'm getting ready to show you is normal, but I think it's pretty awesome. A few days in, this ended up happening. is that normal so yeah so well so y'all got to see Kate in fact any cute let me let me do even better hold on one second just kidding it's a, it's a, y'all crazy he's only a week old Man, I don't know what y'all thinking. I ain't bringing them up in here yet. Y'all sick? How I many y'all got a cold? <laughs> Man, I'm so blessed, so excited. There were so many scary moments, but the reason I share that story one, I'm, I, I, I'm just is fresh to me. But also, I want to talk about accountability and how that led to this moment here in my life. Uh, if you got a Bible, you can open up to. Uh, to Galatians. We're going to go through a few other uh, things, but I think about Cade, and I think about Celebration Church, because this is where I'm a pastor at, right? this is where my family attends, this is where we go to life group, and I think about this idea of accountability, somebody mixing the music for my life and for your life. And I think about it being a cultural thing, not just something that we do, but this is the culture of celebration. Are we transparent enough people where we allow people into our life, into the deep parts of our life, where somebody in this room that calls celebration home, somebody who's a follower of Christ, actually may have dirt on you that you're very ashamed of? Because watch this. By show of hands, how many of you have done something, something in your lifetime that you're ashamed of? Raise your hand. Does anybody know what it is? You don't have to answer that out loud. Chris Roberts, he's my accountability partner. The only other one I had before him was Derek Whitehurst. We're very accountable as a staff, but Chris Chris knows more about me than even my wife does. Well, Brian, that's a little tricky. No, my wife don't want to (laughs) know. She's like, you, you, you handle that, you know, whatever. But Chris and I are very, very close. And it's scary sometimes to know that somebody knows the deepest parts of who you are. Well, guess what? God already does. There's not a thing in your life, a thought, an action, word, or deed that God doesn't know. Yet His fierce love is still extended to you. That's what I love about God. Is there is not one reason, me sitting on this stool, one reason that God should love me. And now some people get all weird and say, no, God should love you. Dave Ramsey has this saying, if you say, how are you doing, Dave? He said, better than I deserve. I got in an argument at Lowe's Hardware with a guy. Because he said, how are you doing today? He said, better than I, and I said, better than I deserve. He said, no, you deserve a lot. I said, no, sir, I don't. He says, well, you shouldn't, you, you do. I said, according to God, I don't deserve anything, but by his grace, I have everything. Amen. He's like, well, you deserve something. I said, I don't, bro. <laughs> Quit arguing with me. God said it. I deserve, the only thing I deserve is hell. But Because my, I'm covered by the grace and the blood of Jesus I get everything I don't deserve. And I love that. Well, to have somebody in my life that speaks into that, let's look at a few verses. You can write these down. You don't have to turn there. But I want to answer this question. What does accountability look like in the family of God? People say statements like, well, my faith is what? Personal. It's none of your business. I've had people tell that. How you and Jesus doing? Them. Well, that's personal. Really? Well, it is personal in the sense that every one of us will stand alone before God and give an account on what we do with Jesus. It's personal in that sense. But personal in other sense where it's not anybody else's business? No. We're a family. Everybody say family. Amen. What if your kids say, it's none of your business, daddy? Oh, <laughs> mm. it's own, isn't it? What if your spouse walks up to you and says, that's none of your business? It gets a little bit tricky. But when it comes to the family of God, which is the only family that will last for eternity, we actually accept it's none of your business. It's personal. Again, I understand there is personal aspects about it. But is there somebody in the family of God, in the irresistible family that God has created, that knows something about you deep and intimate? So what does it look like as accountability? I want to talk about just three levels of accountability. You can write them down. Accountability to a Paul. See, there's accountability that happens when you have a mentor. Everybody say mentor. This is somebody who's spiritually over you, and you've allowed them to be spiritually over you. This is somebody that you talk with on a regular basis that you actually glean from. We have all kinds of things that are in media and stuff. The whole Star Wars trilogy is about apprentices and mentors and young Padawans. You know, we understand this mentality, but when it comes to the family of God, we don't really like this hierarchy of spiritual development. But there needs to be a Paul in your life. The Apostle Paul, he was a mentor to a young man named Timothy. Uh, the the uh, book of Hebrews actually tells us what this should look like. Hebrews 13, 17, it says, Obey your leaders and submit to their authority. We don't like that, but there needs to be somebody in your walk where you obey them, their spiritual authority. You're obedient to that because they are teaching you the ways of God. They keep watch over you as men who must give an account. Obey them so that their work will be a joy, not a burden. For that would be a no advantage to you. There is no advantage of being the authority in your life. Even though it feels like an advantage. Nobody tells me what to do. There should be somebody besides your wife. You know I'm talking about men. You didn't respond at all of that. You know there's, there's everything that she wants and everything that you want as long as she wants it. Right? That's the way it goes. So there's a mentor in your life. Then, so that's the one level. And the next level is accountable to a Barnabas. Everybody say friend. This is the relationship that I have with Chris. The mentor, I have a bunch in my life. I have uh, like uh, uh, Dennis, Tom Bartlett. I have several people all over the world that are mentors to me that pour into my life. Then I have a friendship. Uh, Dennis and I have that. But that really intentional friendship accountability that I have in my life is Chris. Listen to Proverbs 27.6. Now listen carefully to this verse because it sounds a little bit odd. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. There's people that will flatter you and you will like it. But they're probably closer to your enemy than a friend who will lovingly tell you the truth. You haven't liked being told the truth and corrected since you were a, since you were a child. You know, a little infant is innocent. My son is yet to look at me and go, no. But do you think he will? Absolutely. And I'll smile at him and say, I dare you to say it again. Uh, but wounds from a friend can be trusted. I allow Chris to speak into my life in a way that I'm not as uh, easily offended. I try not to be offended, and I believe, I, I would like to say that anybody can speak truth into my life, but come, come on, let's be honest. It gets a little bit more, you know, abrasive when it's somebody that you hadn't looked at them and say, hey, you see it, and it looks wrong. Please say something to me. Now, I've worked with people over the years that they've had this friendship accountability, and one of them will come to me, and they'll say, well, they won't hold me accountable. I feel like I'm doing all the work. Well, this type of Barnabas, this friendship relationship is reciprocal. It can only be as strong as what you give back to the other person. Now, you have to be careful here because this is where some people, they go out and they get their sin and buddy. What do you mean? Well, you have friends that struggle in the same areas that, as you do. Maybe it's an addiction, a habit, a hang-up. They might not be the best person for accountability unless they're serious about changing as much as you are. Because the second you start struggling, they'll be like, oh, I'll struggle with that too this week. And guess what? Y'all brush it under the rug. It's not dealt with. This irresistible family, this intimacy that could happen, this next step that you could take in your walk with Christ, you won't take because you got your sinning buddy. And then all of a sudden you say, well, we meet for accountability every week. What do y'all talk about? Well, I mean, it doesn't get real deep. It should get deep at times. Uh, It should be uncomfortable at times because that's what happens when we change. Nobody likes change. So you got the mentor, the friend, and then you have... a. uh, So that's accountability to a Paul, accountable with a Barnabas. And then the last one, accountability for a Timothy. This is, everybody say, disciple. Now, this is probably the least prone for you to engage in because nobody... Feels like they're far enough to disciple a person. Well, discipling is just you leading somebody that you're one step in front of. And this is what Paul did with Timothy. I want you to hear how close their relationship got. If you read in 1 Corinthians 4.17, it says, Paul's writing this letter to the church in Corinth, and he's talking about Timothy, this young disciple who he's been leading in his walk with Jesus. He says, for this very reason, I'm sending to you Timothy, my son whom I love. Now, do you have somebody in your life that you're pouring into that you feel like... They could be your biological child. Now, up until uh, the, the 14th, I did not have a biological child. I have a stepson who is, I treat him like my biological child. He, he's getting ready to turn 19 at the end of this month, 19 years in between. But I talk and I speak to him as my biological child. Why do I do that? Well, I've done that with a lot of the spiritual children that I've been able to see come into the kingdom of God. I treat young men and young daughters as my sons and daughters. Why? Because that's the greatest love I can give to them on this side of heaven. And Paul has this intimate relationship with Timothy. He says, Timothy, my son. And he, he talks about it in such a way that he describes Timothy this way, who is faithful in the Lord. So Paul's relationship with Timothy is about a spiritual walk with God. And that's how he first and foremost describes Timothy. It says he's faithful in the Lord. Well, how does Paul know that? Because Paul treats him as a son and he's close to his children. And he says he will remind you, because I've reminded him, he will remind you of the way of life in Christ Jesus, which agrees with what I teach everywhere in every church. So Paul's saying he's coming, he's able to speak for me. He's able to say what I say because he's my son, and I've poured into him. So let me ask you this. Does it look like you have any of this in your life? So what we're going to do is really focus in on that friendship accountability. Now, let's be transparent in the room for a moment. How many of you be honest, because this is going to be the majority of the room, so I can go ahead and give you that freedom. Don't lie in church, though. Don't lie anywhere. We just say that. Isn't that weird? We say don't lie in church like it's okay to lie outside of church. Some people actually hold this room more reverent than outside. Guess what? God is everywhere. He's not restricted to a room. So I can't walk up in there. I'll be struck by lightning. Well, you better not walk anywhere. (laughs) But how many of you be honest that you don't have a regular person that you are intentionally walking through scriptures and accountability Maybe on a weekly or a bi-weekly basis, you don't have a person that you're intentionally doing that with on a regular basis. Raise your hand. Now, hold. Keep it up. Keep it up. I want you just to gander around. Look around. Look at some people. Put your hands up higher so people can see your hand. All right? Because you might be shopping right now because this is intentional. Look at some people and say, hey, oh, okay, I know him. I know her. All right, you can put it down. That's applicable later. We're going to move today. We're literally going to move in the room at the end of the service. Yeah, this is going to be an active church service. Some of you are going, I ain't coming back here. <laughs> I just want to sit here, sour and soak. So once you get that mentor in your life that's pouring into you and then you get that friendship that's helping you and speaking into your life some of your some of the things that you're talking about then you start pouring into somebody else as one of your disciples as a disciple that God is leading you to pour into. We we want to answer this question, how do I get the right mix, Brian? I've got all this music coming in. I got the rhythm I'm here on Sunday morning. I'm making the music in my life group. I've got that community of people that we care for each other and we do life together. But, but I just don't know if it's the right mix. If you don't have someone speaking into your life, if you don't have a sound guy twisting the knobs of your life, you don't have the right mix. You're in the band. You can't hear what the world hears about your life. You need someone speaking into you. And it's very invasive. I've been doing it for 18 years. And every time I go to accountability with my best friend, I'm thinking, okay, Lord, oh, man, I had a really terrible week. Oh, I got some stuff to tell Chris. Oh, man, I got to tell him that. And you start thinking through that stuff, but it keeps me sharp. It keeps me aware. And for 18 years, I believe I've walked with integrity, not because of me, but because of Jesus I've walked with hope. I've walked through some hard trials in ministry. And I've never given up. And I've watched pastor after pastor that I'm friends with. That does not do that. And they seem to just get annihilated all the time. And then eventually you find out some secret sin in their life. And then all of a sudden the church says, I just can't even trust pastors. And it all was because I I grew up in a culture... Uh, early on where I saw my youth pastor with no accountability. And he ended up molesting girls in our youth group. And then I watched a couple of other pastors commit adultery or money stuff. And you, know, and a, and you, you start thinking, well, what is the difference between a person who thrives in adversity, who consistently grows in their walk with Christ, and someone who just continues to stay stuck... Or they continue to fall off the wagon is what we may say. What's the difference? And the only difference I've seen is someone who's allowed a person with skin on to be a knob twister in your life. So let's talk about that. Galatians chapter 6. I want to read verses 1 through 5 and then we'll break this down. Brothers, if someone is caught in sin. By the way, it's easier to confess than to be caught but you, how I many have been called? Okay, you don't even, don't raise your hand. You who are spiritual, who is that? Anybody with the Holy Spirit in them. Who's got the Holy Spirit? Anyone who has confessed Jesus is the Lord, repented of your sin, and offered your life in exchange for His. You get the Holy Spirit. You who are spiritual should restore Him gently. So what's the goal in any of our lives? It's always restoration to God and restoration to each other. That is our our whole goal constantly. You mess up, be restored. You mess up horizontally with each other, be restored. If you mess up vertically, be restored. That is what our goal is constantly. You can't just leave things unchecked and out of whack. You should restore him gently. But then there's a warning that Paul writes to the church in Galatia. Why? Because he knows that they're sinning buddies here. He says, but watch out, but watch yourselves or you also may be tempted. Man, how many times have I seen that happen? Someone tries to help somebody out of an addiction, ends up in the addiction. We're actually dealing with this right now. Somebody who's just constantly trying to walk the walk. And then they got around somebody who has an addiction issue and they didn't think it was a big deal. So they started hanging out with them. Guess what? They're doing what they were doing. And it looks like if they don't make a turn, they're just willing to toss it all away for just a few moments of pleasure. Well, why does Paul write that? Because he knows that our, our nature, our sin nature is strong and that sin is fun. Otherwise, we wouldn't do it. Then he says something else. Carry each other's burdens. If you've got a burden, you're carrying it alone, you're living an unbiblical life. And if you know someone that has a burden, you're not trying to carry part of that with them. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. So there's that. You can't mix your life, you can't be the soundboard of your life, because that's you thinking that you're something. No, you need a sound guy that's saying, oh, you need to turn, oh, that EQ's off, that bass is way too loud. I know you like a lot of electric guitar, but we got to turn it back. Each one of you should test his own actions. Then he can take pride in himself without comparing himself to somebody else, for each one should carry his own load. Now, look, if you saw something in there it looked a little bit weird, because Paul says, um, don't, don't just look at yourself. You need somebody looking at you. And you need somebody being the knob twister of your life. But then he says, test yourself. Don't look at yourself alone, but test yourself alone. Well, that sounds weird. Well, what happens is when the sound guy comes in and mixes the music of your life, the spiritual direction of your life, you need to test it out in the world. Hey, you got this. You're a little bit harsh when when you're talking about the gospel. You ever been around those people? You know, turn or burn. Or then some of us, it's it's all about love and rainbows and unicorns and everybody goes to heaven. No. We need a sound doctrine. I hope everybody goes to heaven. But if they don't repent and turn from their sin, the Bible says they will not. They've got to receive Christ. And this is why we've got to make sure somebody is mixing the music because we're the sound of Jesus to the world. So when the right mix comes in, when, uh, when I'm accountable with this. So you get the right mix when you get some accountability in your life. So let's talk about three things that we need to mix in our life and be accountable with. The first one is struggles and fears. There in the Galatians passage, listen to it again. Brothers, if someone is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore him gently. But watch out yourselves or you may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens. And in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks he is something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Man, if you knew the list of struggles and fears I had, you would be like, man, you got issues. That's why I love celebration. We're a bunch of broken people trying to go after Jesus. I'm pretty I try to be pretty transparent and honest about the, the struggles and fears that I have, just clinical ones. I'm claustrophobic like you wouldn't believe. You come behind me and put me in a chokehold, we will fight. It just, I don't like it. It happened because I, got, I used to roll off my bed as a child, roll under the bed, and the bed was in a corner with a headboard and a footboard. And I would try to find my way out in the dark, and I'd wake up under the bed. coughing is what it felt like. And I would be like this, and then I would start screaming for my father. He'd cut on the light. And I could see to get out of the dark. Now I hate claustrophobic situations. So if we're in a crowded room, I will probably go walk to the outside of the room. No offense to you. I just don't want to punch anybody. It's for your safety. I had fears that I'd never have a biological child in this world. It was a fear that was crippling me. Is a fear that every day I'd get in the shower and I'd find anger in my soul when I'd pray to God. It was something that was making me just wonder how can I keep going if this doesn't happen? Praise Jesus. And if it wouldn't have, I still would have had to figure out a way because God did not want me that way, but it was through accountability of me sharing, like with Chris, here's my struggles, here's my fears, here's things that I, they don't leave me. And I know Jesus has set me free from my sin. There is no chains that bind me except for the chains I put on. Do you realize that? If you have a, a true relationship with God through Jesus Christ, through repentance of sin, there is no chain that binds you. Only what, it, everything bows its knee to you because of Jesus. So anything that you're still addicted to Anything that you have going on in your life, it's only because you continue to bow your your knee. You have power and authority over that. Paul told Timothy this. He says, for God did not, God did not give us a spirit of fear. A spirit of timidity, a spirit of weakness, but a spirit of, everybody say, power. Power. The Greek word there is for dynamite. And of love and of self-discipline. So power, love, self-discipline. Discipline. Discipline. There should be a regular rhythm of spiritual growth in your life because that is part of it. That is a fruit of the spirit, of self-control, self-discipline. And Paul's telling young Timothy, God did not give you this spirit of timidity, this weakness, this passive walk with God he gave you a spirit of power of love and of self-discipline do you know that you if wherever you work you should be the greatest employee your boss man has now i didn't mean i don't mean the greatest in that you're the smartest you've got it all together but he's he knows that you're going to give everything because you work as unto the lord not not for this boss but for that boss if you're a student in school you should be the greatest student in the class not the smartest But the greatest, where the teacher knows, hey, they're going to do what I ask. If you're an athlete, I always say this, the greatest athletes should be the Christians. Not the most talented, but the ones when the coach says, hey, everybody on the line, let's go. And he says, I want you to run it out. He sees you puking. You run so hard. Even though everybody may be faster. And he brings you up in front of the team and says, I don't know what's up with this kid, but this is the way we do it. But we're not the most reliable because we don't have this self-discipline. We don't have this accountability in our life where somebody's constantly saying, Hey, these fears, these struggles, they're ruling your life. They still have control over you. What do we need to do? Cut off the internet. Go home early. Be a husband. Pay your debt off because it is ruining your family you got to do these things, but if you don't have somebody speaking that into your life, it never gets said out loud. And when we say things out loud, a lot of times they lose their power. See, because we all have tendencies, quirks, and patterns that we need to give permission to someone to say in our life lovingly and truthfully and call it out of of us as the right friend, as as a friend. See, the right mix comes when I'm accountable not only with my struggles and fears, but also everybody say dreams. Man, it seems like dreams are dead. I mean, if somebody gets around you, do they get inspired by just the dreams and the goals that you have? Or are you just okay with existing? Just think about that. You live your 80 years of life and all you did is you went to work and you put a paycheck in the bank and you bought some food for your family, but you never risked a thing for God. Don't you like being around those people? We love to watch those people more than we want to be those people. You know, that guy that says, I'm gonna jump. You go, you go ahead. Well, guess what you're going to do? You will watch, won't you? If somebody steps up and he's getting ready to jump into the water off a cliff, you will watch. You don't go, I ain't watching this. You might not jump. Well, as Christians really, guess what? There is no true risk. There is no risk for a believer because in the end, we're eternally secure in God. But yet, we're the smallest risk takers. Just think if Celebration Church started taking greater risk in our faith. Not reckless, because I'm not talking about that, because really there's not anything reckless. If Jesus says, walk over to your coworker and tell him how much I love them, what is reckless about that? The only thing reckless is you don't do it. Hey, go back to your wife who you committed adultery on. What's reckless about that? But most of us won't do it, even though God would tell us to do that. Hey, repent of your sins and go to your parents and confess it and tell them what you're struggling with. Well, if you have somebody that's accountable that you're accountable to in your life, they get to, get to keep speaking this into your life and keep you focused. One of the prophets, I think it's Jeremiah, it says, I set my face like a flint towards God. What does that mean? That means there should be somebody. You ever did that with your kids where you turn their face and say, look at me? How many? Okay, all right. I'm already doing with Cade because his eyes aren't tracking. I'm like, over here. What's up, dude? But that's what we need. We need somebody who's saying the second we start straying with our eyes or with our life, we need somebody saying, wait, back over here, Brian. These were your goals and your dreams. They're going to die if you don't walk towards Jesus. And Jesus gives us great dreams. He gives us great aspirations. We should have great goals Galatians 6, 4 says, each one should test his own actions. Then he can take pride in himself without comparing himself to somebody else. Listen, if you ever want to get great wisdom, go to the book of Proverbs. I want to read two verses out of Proverbs. Proverbs 21, 5 says, the plans of the diligent lead to profit as surely as haste leads to poverty. Does somebody know your plans for the week? Hey, here's some goals and here's some things that I got planned out. Is somebody going to ask you if you got them done beside your boss? If you, don't fail, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. You should have an action plan for your spiritual walk, for your family. Proverbs 16.3, it says, Commit to the Lord whatever you do. Some of you don't even know what you're doing, so there's nothing to commit. Well, Brian, I'm not a very organized person. Really? Is that for you to decide? Because it says that God has numbered your days. Your life is organized. You just need to discover it. You've got it together, by the way. You're not as jacked up as you think. All you got to do is submit to the plan. God has already written out for you. Isn't that relieving? Man, my life is in a chaos. Well, it may be hard. It could be long. It could be it could cost you a lot, but chaos is not from God. Commit To the Lord, whatever you do, and your plans will succeed. Wait, Brian. My plans will succeed if I commit them to the Lord. Yeah. Because then your plans will become His plans. And His plans always succeed. That's what that means. When you share your plans and goals God has shown you to another person, they can help you stay focused. I love it when Chris says, how would you do with that last week? Yeah, about that. Okay, we need to really lock down. What do we need to do this week to see you fulfill this goal that God has shown you? And we lay out something. And we walk it out. And the same for Him. See, if you don't have plans and goals, you need to understand that God does. And it means there's a rebellion issue in your life. Discover them. Say them out loud. Say them to somebody so they can be accomplished. And the third, the right mix comes when I'm accountable with Responsibilities. God did not put you on this earth without responsibility. Some of you feel that way. You feel you are purposeless. And that's a lie from the enemy. God makes nothing without purpose. And you're something that he made. To look at my, look at Cade, just to look at him, the only purpose I can tell he has right now is to bring us joy and to poop and pee and eat. When you just break it down. But when we were praying and trying to figure out a name, it, it, we decided on Kate Levi, which means spirit of battle to bring harmony. And I'm like, good job, honey. Because really, she came up with a name, I just said yes to it. <laughs> and that's the way I want. I want Cade. I'm looking at him now, I'm going, this is a little warrior in the spiritual realm. I wanted to bring down strongholds and to be part of a revival. And I'm just gonna pour all I can into him. And I'm I'm so excited that today some freedom's gonna come where he can come into a culture of great accountability. Where we're such an irresistible, tight-knit family that he knows that he allows anyone to speak truth into his life that's walking with Jesus. But sometimes we close that off, and I'm hoping today we can just break down those walls because we've got responsibility to fulfill. Galatians 6, 5, for each one should carry his own load. Proverbs 6, 6, I love this verse. Go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider its ways and be wise. If you go on to read that chapter, you should read it on the sixth day of every month. Because it'll say, it has no commander, but yet does what it was made to do. Some of you got to have somebody on you just riding you constantly just to get anything done. God made you to thrive and to be creative and to create and be a a vital part in our community. You've got responsibilities. Proverbs 16.9 says, In his heart, a man plans his course, but the Lord determines his steps. When someone doesn't take responsibility and do their part in the family, guess what? Think about this. If you don't walk with Jesus and the way he's calling you to walk, the whole family suffers. Answer this out loud, yes or no. If a a dad has a gambling addiction, does it affect the entire family? When a, a, a teenager rebels and goes out and they start smoking pot or partying and doing all that kind of stuff, does it affect your whole family? When you just decide that you're old enough to do your own thing, does it affect your family? Yeah, You are not an island unto yourself. And guess what? It affects this family. When you make crazy statements like, well, God just said we could get a divorce. You won't find it in the Bible. In fact, you'll find adultery in the Bible and restoration in the marriage. You'll find a man who wife was a prostitute and God kept saying take her back what why because God says I will take you back and you're all spiritual prostitutes you have a responsibility and we must carry that now there's 300 churches in our county but we must carry it as we're the only one not in a prideful way but we're not going to sit around and wait for 300 churches to wake up and us follow suit we're going to lead the way in accountability we're going to say, you've got a responsibility. Tell me what it is. Whisper it in my ear and we're going to walk it out this week. Take responsibility and step up. Share it with someone. And that person will say, let's do this together. That's what an irresistible family is. So I want us to take a next step. If you want to write this down, it's just really simple. I will grow accountability in my life. Now, why did I word it that way? Because some of you have accountability and you need to grow it. Some of you have zero accountability and you need to start that. Everybody pull out this paper. You're probably still writing that. That was too fast. But you should have got one of these on the way in. If you didn't, they're at the right on the, where you get your programs walking in. But this is just a simple thing. This I have several forms of this. But me and Chris actually use something just a little bit different than this. It has six questions, but it's sort of male-oriented uh, But this has 10. These are just 10 simple questions to sort of give you a checkup. I I, I challenge you to meet with a person who loves Jesus as much, if not more, than you. And go through these. I encourage you to make accountability a formal and an informal part of your life. Where it's a constant thing informally. But where you sit down and you look at somebody eye to eye. And I love the question 10. You would be surprised at what that will do in your brain. Question 10 says, have you just lied to me? You'd be surprised. Now, you might not not even be intentional, but almost every single week that we go through intentional questions, Chris and I, when we get to the, have you just lied to me, we both remember something else. And you feel like, ugh. Well, it's not to make you feel bad, but it stirs something in the brain where you go, you know what? There's something else. That I need to tell you about. i was struggling with this. You can see uh, the first one. I guarantee that this is the number one crushing thing in the life of marriages. And of churches. Have you been with someone of the opposite sex anywhere this past week? That might be, underline that word on the next one, seen as compromising. Now, some people get really, now, the, the question's worded that way, and you can read the rest, but the question's worded that way is because perception is everything. Well, I don't care what people think. Well, the Bible says that actually when they see you, when they gossip about you, but then they watch you, they become ashamed at what they said. It's usually the other way around. They put their faith in you. You say, I'm a Christian, but then they watch you, and they go, well, not That's a little bit disappointing. They don't see your transparency. They don't see your struggle. Every great man of God and woman of God that you have heard about in our historical books of the church live by this. My sister-in-law is having to help her carry stuff up from the car when she was coming to the hospital. And I said, well, normally I'd make you ride up alone alone. Because this is really weird for me because I don't get on the elevator alone with a woman. But right when I walked in the room, I said, honey, I rode up with your sister-in-law. She said, I know. But she knows the way I roll. She knows that kind of stuff. Why? Because there's a family bigger than me that that my decisions affect. And I hope you take that because I want you to realize something. I would not be sitting here if it weren't for Jesus through accountability. I wouldn't be in the ministry. I wouldn't be married to the most amazing woman. I wouldn't have two sons almost 19 years apart. Because accountability helped keep me focused on what God said to me. Because I leak, I forget, I feel tempted, I feel weary. But through accountability, through me growing deeper and allowing someone to speak into my life, I'm married to the most amazing woman with two sons, and I'm in the most amazing church I've ever seen in my life. But guess what? The enemy is real, and he's trying to kick our butts. And I think if we will take this message serious, and you start meeting with somebody and start confessing, James 5, 16, confess your sins to one another. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Guess what that is, people? That's Accountability. So, I'm going to ask us to do something pretty uncomfortable, maybe a little bit more transparent. We're going to sing here in just a second. The band's going to start playing, and I'm just going to pray for this moment, but we're going to stand to our feet, and there's just going to be instrumental music playing for a little bit before we start singing. But I'm going to ask you to do a couple things. I'm going to ask you to try to find somebody besides your spouse and of the same sex. This isn't a chance for you to get a date later, okay? But before you leave this room today, nobody's going to, like, write your name down if they, do. oh, look at that, they're not moving. Okay, security, get them. Uh, but I'm going, to, I'm going to give you a couple ways to do this. If you don't know anybody in this room that... Maybe you could have an accountability partner with. Maybe you just don't know a lot of people. I want you to do something and just fill out your connection card. And when we start to sing, I want you just to come and just, just come and pray for that person to, to show up. And you can leave your connection card right here on this stage. And we'll try to help you as a staff and as a church. If there is someone in this room, I want you to be bold. Not forceful. Everybody say No. Knows an okay word. If you receive that, don't feel completely crushed. There's a bunch of people in this room. But I'm taking a risk here to see if we will move and trust God that he's already doing something. But when we stand to our feet and the music, I'm going to pray and then the music's going to play for a little bit. If you do not have an accountability partner and you just see someone in this room, it may end up being a, a three or four of you at first that get together. And just say, hey, can we talk this week? And before you leave today, exchange. you can The potluck would be a great place to do it. Exchange information. But just walk up and say, hey, would you be interested in starting a discussion about accountability? Because I want my walk with God to be so strong. I need somebody just turning my head back and saying, hey, God said this. Here's what you're doing this week. Here's your struggles. Let's put up those roadblocks and those barriers to keep you from falling off the cliff. So let's just stand to your feet. I'm going to pray for us. And I want you to move right right when I say amen and just be bold. Try to find somebody. I know some of your hearts are just beating. Students, I would love for y'all to lead the way in this to show the adults that if teenagers can do it, then anybody can. Because when y'all move, they go, well, pff, well I guess I need to do something. Let's pray together. Jesus, right now in this moment, as uncomfortable and as unorthodox as it may be, this is not really something we do at church. But, Lord, we're a family. And, Lord, we take family serious. And, Lord, my walk is my own, but I need to make sure that somebody's mixing it so the music sounds good to the world because my perspective isn't good enough. So, Lord, just make us strong people. Lord, if people don't know each other in this room, I I pray that they just say, Hey, I'm just going to walk up and, and pray for that person right now and put my connection card on the stage. So God, would you just cause movement to happen in this room? In Jesus' name, amen.